Hey, Chris, how are you? I'm awesome. Hey, Alex. Hey, Delaney. Hello. Hi. So, uh, welcome back to the Sausage of Science, everyone. Thank yeah. you. It's nice to get the Hey, Kara again. I've missed that for the past, what, three and a half, four Aww, months. Aw, so nice. I did. Also, did you get your hair cut? I did. I got all of them cut. That was a dad joke. Because I can afford to do that again. Congratulations. I know. But also... I think you should brag for a moment. Why were you concerned about the ability to afford? Because this is a really big deal for you and super exciting Thanks right now. Thanks for that I, I was hoping you would, I I you would ask me that. Yeah, so uh, all three of my kids are off at college for the first time. So some of our listeners know, many don't. I have triplet boys. They turned 18 and then promptly all went off to college. So I had this like gut punch of an empty nest thing going on. Which was crazy because a year ago, pre-COVID, I thought maybe one of them might go live on campus here at the University of Alabama and the other two would stay home. And then uh, the one who was going to live on campus decided to go to our competitor school, Auburn. And then the other two both decided to move out and live on campus. So I'm really proud of them because they all got the funding to do that. And it's super, super awesome. But it has been a major adjustment for my family. And then, of course, my wife and I thought we had misbudgeted. And I didn't think I could afford a haircut or earbuds. I was basically like, oh, my gosh, this is going to kill us. And we realized the kids had not pressed a button in their financial aid <laughs> process that would release their funding. So so I've been talking about you and your triplets because I have a fair number of freshmen this coming year. And they were talking about what schools they chose, this, that, and the other, and why they come to Notre Dame. And I love telling the story about how two of your kids went to Alabama and one went to Auburn. I don't say anything about the rivalry, but they all instantly know. And they're like, is the family okay? <laughs> how is the dynamic at home? Or like, are they fighting with one another? Yeah. <laughs> no, it, it's, it is, it is the big in-state rivalry and you're at Notre Dame. And, and so like nobody really, like Notre Dame was sort of the outlier um, when I grew up in Indiana, but it was IU Purdue, right? Something similar. Mm -hmm. Like you, you go to one or you go to the other, and the family has these allegiances. That is exciting, and also, you know, it's a huge transition. And bravo to you and Loretta for you know scooching all those boys off to college and like highly, highly successful getting funding to do so. That is a Although I know it's sad that it's empty nester, but you have to be massively, massively proud of yourself and the kids. I'm super proud, and I'm also really grateful for our contemporary technology. So oh, I thought we should have a quick episode to remind everybody what we do and to tell our audience what's coming down the pipe. And I, and I thought I'd actually let Delaney do that since part of it was her inspiration, but but also Alex. Like so. We all had a production meeting the other day to talk about some of our plans for the coming season, we're calling it now. So Delaney and Alex, would you like to tell everybody what we're going to be doing over the next few weeks? Catch us up on you. Let's start there. What have you been up to? How's life? This is Delaney. <laughs> Life's good. I've been really busy. I finished up a full-time fellowship earlier this summer called the Data Science for Social Good Fellowship. And right now I'm just doing some lab work, running some cortisol assays, and writing my NSF. Or a DDRIG? Yes. For those listening, that's the Doctoral Dissertation Research Improvement Grant that all usually North American, I guess, or United States graduate PhD students apply for. Maybe not all, but... It's the common, it's the one. common one. What about you, Alex? What have you been up to? 
Well, <laughs> I finished a data collection, which I wasn't in the field for, but my research associate in Samoa collected all the data for me since I couldn't be there because of COVID, and they did an amazing job. Everything just went smoothly, and the only heartache that I had was actually getting the equipment back because working with USPS and FedEx to get things shipped from the South Pacific back to Chicago is takes years. <laughs> horrendous. And that is, yeah, yeah. The, the, the box came, it's huge, it's in my hallway, and I, I, we have to actually climb over it because it's so big, there's nowhere else to put in the apartment. I'm, I'm just staring at it every day in awe that it actually made it. And then, yeah, well, I started writing my dissertation, which is right now not as stressful as I expected it to be, but I'm sure it will be very soon. But right now I'm having fun. I love going through my results. I am actually not that mad at R yet. So that's also a plus. <laughs> We're also going to get there. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm doing well, I would say, for now. We'll see, which is one of the big reasons why I'm just going to be more in the back this season with the podcast, I think I'm just going to do a lot more editing and not so much organizing. I think Delaney is going to play a much bigger role in that capacity than I will be. I will just be editing and posting and Delaney will be more of the producer than I will be this season. So I just wanted to say how important our junior service fellows, which is our, our editors are to this whole process. And, and so what they're, talking about is how they're dividing up the work of producing this podcast and, and we give them pretty much free reign to, to organize their workflow and, and make that happen but it's absolutely critical to this this public engagement thing so uh, the reason that they're on here today talking is because we feel they're super important and we want you all to be as familiar with them if you can as you are with us because without them you don't get the podcasts and they're also busy doing their research. So thank you both. And we look forward to hearing more. Kara, before we go with what's coming next, are you able to tell us what you've been up to? I attempted to take one week off this summer. One, everybody, you need to take more vacation than I allow myself to take. But Alex, my graduate student, was playing advisor and like emailed me or texted me. I think you texted me the day before my vacation was a start. Like, put your computer away, turn your ringer off, do not answer email and do not work. I totally did not listen to her, which was, oh, well, you were part of that. Well, I know, but you received my <laughs> texts and emails, so. I know, but it's real. I was just like, ah, I have this like, you know, obsessive compulsive twitch. I have to respond. I can't just let it sit. It drives me crazy. I'm like, do uh, this Monday. But and suddenly it's done. I'm like, all right. Yeah, no, that's the thing that happens. Uh, but this summer, this summer, um, I resubmitted a grant, did a whole bunch of writing and submitted. I have an article coming out in ADHD about reindeer herder. Total energy expenditure was exciting. And another thing that we should promote because it's going to be on the horizon, Chris, is our academic special issue for AJHB, which is going to be tying together some of the amazing podcast episodes about you know ways to succeed in academia that are not always so obvious and putting it into a peer review publication for folks to be able to utilize to promote meaningful change in their department institutions and associations so that's upcoming we'll definitely be talking that up bringing some of the people onto the show that are in that issue that weren't previously on it and reminding people of some of these great 
podcast episodes that have turned into this special supplementary issue. I'm really proud of the work that my team did on the article that we have, and then the whole issue in general just came. The one thing I will say about the whole issue in general, as I told Kara, I predicted a certain number of people would drop out because any any joint effort I've ever done like that has a few people who just finally at the end of it are like, I have to withdraw. And we had zero people, zero, zero people dropped out. It was amazing. And we even brought in like extra people. Yeah. I, I know we added an author onto our manuscript as part of the revisions and she's been so wonderful and helpful with putting it together. Yeah, I think this is going to be an incredibly helpful set of articles that is going to span across academia and not just within human biology or anthropology. And so, yeah, I'm proud of the work and, I, and I'm glad to see it coming together too. I want to say really quickly that uh, our experience with the academic series was so positive that when Delaney came to us with an idea for a series, one of the suggestions I had to her was to think of it as not just a possible conference session, but a special issue, because that's what academics became. So uh, Delaney has a really exciting series idea in mind, and I'm hoping that, that we have as much luck with that. Tell us about it, Delaney. So I think for now we're loosely terming it under the theme of measurement and methods and thinking about basically what we measure or what human biologists measure, how we measure it, and then the implications it has both for interpretation and then also the communities that we interface with and the communities that we research in. So some examples of some topics we'll be exploring are mixed methods research in human biology, specifically focusing on the use of qualitative and quantitative methods in tandem sex and gender, biocultural measurement, biological versus statistical meaningfulness, and evolutionary biology in the context of intervention and sort of how it interacts with public health interventions. So those are some of the taster topics that we'll be exploring, and I'm getting really excited for the series and, as well. Uh, one of the other issues that sort of come up, it's not quite uh, in that under that same umbrella, but Issues around uh, human remains, issues in bioarchaeology, ethics of some of the, not just human subjects research, but human remains research and, and how that's being addressed. And we'll talk in more detail when we have our first guest on, but we are going to be talking to Dr. Anna Osterholz from Mississippi State University about that and her research. That's going to be one of our, if not our first, one of our first episodes in the very, very near future. And we are really excited to get back in the metaphorical saddle on all of this. Also, did I totally like just blank? Did you also mention who our new web person no, thank is? You. Who's going to be in uh, on so all this? Andrea Silva <laughs> Caballero is our new junior service fellow who is going to be our web person. So why don't you tell people a little bit about you? I am a PhD student at Durham University. I hope I will be finishing my thesis soon, but who knows? And I'm studying sleep patterns in adolescence. So I'm working in three different sites in Mexico, two rural sites and one urban site. And that's what I can tell about myself. And who are your advisors? <laughs> so my advisors are Helen Ball and Gillian Bentley. So Helen Ball is the headmaster of the sleep lab at Durham University. And actually, that's why I joined this particular anthropology department, because I found so 
awesome the fact that they they had their own sleep lab like no one had that so i desperately want to use the phrase headmaster more like i'm gonna give myself the title of headmaster of something now because that just sounds so badass I know. Well, she is. So I'm gonna <laughs> I'm go. gonna steal our own bit to actually take us out. We were just getting ready to piddle away, but we always ask our guests to tell us something that they're reading or watching or something like that. <gasps> so let's us do it as our way of signing off. Yeah, I want to start. I want to okay. start because I'm totally in love with the book series okay. that I I'm now on the tail end of, and I've been telling everybody about it, including my students, which has gotten me some weird looks. I think they're now concerned about if I'm a sociopath. Okay. Um, so the book series I'm reading is called Murder Bot Diaries. So that's going to give you an idea. Uh, and so it's a series of its six six short kind of novellas of about 150 pages. And then there's a much longer book that kind of caps everything off. And it's about this like human cyborg construct that is typically supposed to be just like a mindless murder bot controlled by any number of the multi-conglomerate corporations that exist in this future space world where people are all out across the galaxy and the universe. But this particular murder bot has like taken control of its governor module. So it's no longer under control of anybody. And this murder bot hates humans, but yet also finds them endearing and still wants to protect them despite the fact that that this person's not under control anymore, but also has extreme social anxiety. And whenever it gets anxious around humans, it'll like go and walk to a wall, face the wall, and then play its favorite TV show over and over again in its head. And I have never, ever related more to a character (laughs) in my entire life. I highly recommend it. It is hilarious and the most human story about a non-human ever. Alex, what are you watching and listening to? Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna have a little brag moment here. I've officially read fifty books this year already, and I'm very proud of that. But yeah, currently I'm reading uh, The House of Spirits by Isabella Lende. It took me a little bit to get into it, but it's really good. We also finally switched and got HBO Max, and we're watching both Nora from Queens, which is hilarious. Oh, I love Aquafina. Yeah, and Mayor of Easttown with Kate Winslet. It's it's really good. It's a mini series about a murder in a uh, Pennsylvania town outside of Philly, I think. It's good. I have I a follow-up question for you, Alex. Clearly the most important one. <laughs> what Lego are you currently building? Oh, <laughs> the new camper. <laughs> <laughs> the new camper van. Yeah, I Lego a lot. I'm to blame. I was going to go down a different <laughs> wormhole and ask if Speaking of Aquafina, if you all know her vagina song, which is like the best song ever, I love that song. That's how she got famous, my vag. Yeah. Oh, really? So I came. Yeah. I saw the show first. Mm-hmm. Thought she was funny, and my wife was playing that song, and I was like, "This song is awesome. I'm gonna put it on a mix." And my kids were like, "No!" And I was like, "Oh my god, doubly yes." <laughs> I love her. Also, she went to SUNY Albany. Oh shit! Mm-hmm. Really? So that's how I learned about her because you Albany would like crazy promote like we have this famous person who is an alum, let's go celebrate her. I know that. So that's how I learned about wow. her. <laughs> I also went to SUNY Albany. You and Aquafina have something in, in, in common. That's Nexus. cool. Delaney, what about you? Well, in comparison to Alex, I have not had it in me to read really outside of work for like the last six months, and it's really depressing. I've Started probably you garden books, a lot, but just have not been able to. So we forgot. Them. This doesn't have to be about do what garden. you watch or do. It's just like, what do you do for fun, and how do you keep uh, 
career family balance uh, in your life or, or strive for it? Yeah, gardening for sure. I mean, we watch stuff too. Like uh, we just finished watching this show called Patria and it's based on a book called Homeland or Patria. They're the same word. One's in Spanish, one's in English. And it's actually kind of funny that it's in Spanish because the whole book is about two families that are sort of like a sort of a family drama spurs because of associations with Etta, the Basque Etta. And it's all about um, sort of the Basque struggle and basically focuses on conflicts between these families. And some people are killed because some some people are in the family are part of Etta, which was a Basque nationalist and separatist group. So anyway, it's a really pretty good drama, but it was very strange watching it in Spanish, knowing that in that context and in the Basque country itself, like people aren't usually speaking in Spanish to each other. Yeah, it was just very strange because there were parts of it where they would talk about like the importance of maintaining the Basque language, but then it's all in Spanish. So, so that was strange, but overall it was a good series. Andrea? Okay, so I'm watching this series in Netflix called Humans. It's a British production and it's about robots who are conscious. Yeah, so it's so interesting, I think, because these robots have pretty human-like problems. Like they get depressed, they are like, oh, why am I conscious right now? I don't want to be conscious. So some of them just try to commit suicide and it sounds depressive, but it's actually not. And they start like fighting for their own rights. Yeah, it's just like watching a TV show about this um, non-stereotypical humans who are uh, fighting for their own rights. So. I don't know, like Mexicans in the yeah. U.S. or Latin people in the U.S., who knows? Yeah. So also we have philosophical questions too. Yeah. So why are we here? And uh, a little bit, it's similar, I think so, to um, Frankenstein, uh, you know, the, the novel, because um, they refer to their creator as if um, the creator was uh, somewhat like a cop. Yeah to them something like that so it's interesting cool. yeah <laughs> i really like it yeah i i, I really want alex's <laughs> advice on how to read so much <laughs> because so far i i haven't been able to finish one single book i've been reading two books <laughs> all this time delusions of gender by cordelia fine I recommend it a lot. And the other one is a book in Spanish called um, The Savage Detectives by Roberto Bolaño. So when people ask me what is this novel about, because this, this is a, a novel, I'm having a hard time explaining it in Spanish, so I'm not sure how I would explain it in English. But it's about a, a group of um, poets who are very, very bad, very bad at, at writing poetry. And they have these um, adventures in Mexico City, but also in Guatemala, but also in Spain, in a lot of places all around the world. So 
People normally compare this author, Roberto Bolaño, to Julio Cortázar. So what's awesome about Julio Cortázar is that he has this book that works like a jigsaw puzzle. So you can read one chapter um, and then another one from, I don't know, like you can just pick a chapter randomly and read the whole book like that. Or you can read it huh. like um, in order. And you start just building the story. It sounds like a he managed to do something. That's what it exactly. sounds like. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and I'm sure it's been translated to English into English. That sounds so. cool. So everybody <laughs> yeah. should add if, all these to their if list. If you want to, exactly. And I've read Isabel Allende, and she's great. <laughs> so I also recommend that one. Chris, your turn because you don't get to escape the question. <laughs> Uh, so let's see. So for funsies, I'm reading a book on, I'm actually reading a paper book. Like my bed book is a, a biography of Bob Dylan. And the reason I'm reading that's because over the last year and a half, I've been learning to play guitar from YouTube, right? So I'm doing a lot of folk music and, and stuff that I can play. Um, and, and sort of going back in American music. So I used to be really into music and the music industry and, and that's, that's my background. So that I always do stuff like that for fun, but I'm also, I listen to books and that's how I read fast. Listening to Ursula Le Guin's, uh, Rakanen books and Ursula Le Guin was the uh, daughter of Alfred Kroeber, anthropologist. So they're very, very anthropologically informed. And so that whole world building thing that happens in a lot of contemporary books, I, I'm seeing it there. And the the Rokanen series is basically like ethnography, but on planets. It's just really, really cool. I'm really digging it. The show I'm watching is Bosch because uh, one of the, when I was in grad school, I got one of the only books on tape I could always find uh, new versions of was Michael Connolly's Harry Bosch detective series. So it's just hard boiled detective stuff. And what I do for fun otherwise is garden and play with the plants and guitar and go to the gym. And the dogs. Dogs and woodworking. Give and yourself tattoos. Stuff. Yeah. You know. Arty, I arty wanted to stuff. make one more comment um, that I just finished watching The Chair and I think we should totally do an episode of getting folks in our field who have watched The Chair and having like a little roundtable conversation about what we I thought. I saw a tweet saying, I watched The Chair and how come there were no emails? So I figure it must be something about academia. <laughs> there were lots of meetings, though. Oh. <laughs> anyway. This people is your Sausage of Science team. Thanks to AJHB, HBA, University of Alabama, University of Notre Dame, University of Notre and Dame. the University of <laughs> Washington. Wow, Chris. Yeah, yeah. it's great seeing everybody. Let's get excited about a new season of The Sausage of Science. Great to talk to you all. I look forward to our episodes, and uh, we'll talk to everybody very, very soon. <laughs> <laughs>